From the world-famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Daniel Sellerson. D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra. Yeah. And the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Daniel Salerson. Welcome into the best of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Salerson, or as Sean Kelly likes to call me, Producer Dan. It's a busy sports weekend in New Orleans. The Pelicans return home today to face the Charlotte Bobcats and the Saints leave town and head north where they'll take on the New York Jets tomorrow afternoon at MetLife Stadium. Coming up, we'll have interviews from Pacers TV analyst Quinn Buckner, who came on Wednesday to talk Pacers, Pelicans, and other NBA topics. Pelicans TV analyst David Wesley stopped by on Tuesday and Wednesday this week, but we'll replay his interview with Sean Kelly on Tuesday to get to know David a little better, and we'll wrap things up with Saints running back Pierre Thomas, who talks about their big win against the Bills. Enough from me. Let's get right to the interviews. Coming up next, Pacers TV analyst Quinn Buckner on the best of the Black and Blue Report. The Pelicans are your NBA team, and Beau Rivage Resort and Casino is your M-Life Resort right here on the Gulf Coast. Featuring 1,740 luxuriously appointed rooms, exquisite award-winning dining choices, a championship-caliber golf course, and all the amenities you've come to expect from MGM Resorts International, Beau Rivage is the only true resort experience you'll find in the South. You belong at the Beau. Beau Rivage Resort and Casino is proud to be a sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. This is Todd Graves, founder of Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. Sure, other fans are hungry for a win. But here in New Orleans, we make sure that you're well-fed, too. With tailgates of our fresh chicken fingers and jugs of lemonade and sweet tea. Loving the Saints is like the freshness of Cane's. All day, no quit. The Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. The official chicken of your New Orleans Saints. You're listening to the best of the Black and Blue Report. Wednesday night, the Pelicans opened their season against the Pacers at New Orleans Arena. The Pelicans couldn't hold on to a double-digit lead and fell to the Pacers 95-90. Before the game, Pacers TV analyst Quinn Buckner called into the show to preview the game and talk about other NBA topics. Here's that interview with Sean Kelly. We welcome in really a living legend in the game of basketball. That's Quinn Buckner, former Indiana Hoosier. Boston Celtic, Milwaukee Buck. He won as an Olympian, too. Uh, a basketball lifer, as we'll talk about later on in the program. But certainly, uh, Quinn, here it is, another opening week of an NBA season, and it never seems to get old, does it? Well, every season is different, and I think that's the only that's the best way to look at it. In my many years in the league, that's why you are the same team. You're never the same because people change. They're older. They're, you, know, you're, you get new influx. You change yeah, very much like you have here. With the Pelicans, you change. You know, well, you, you made significant changes in, in not only personnel but in, in colors and name, and so it's all it's it's, it's 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 a change. So when you have change, you don't know how people adjust to that change, and you don't know what causes them to have some of that change. If age causes people to change, they're step slower, they're wiser. So it's always slightly different than 
than people think it would be just because it, let's assume the Pelicans had the same players. They're different. They've got different experiences. They're, they're probably stronger. They know more. So it, it's always different. So the answer to your question is it never gets old because it's never the same. Quinn, what's different about the Indiana Pacers after such a great season last year? Well, first of all, Larry Bird came back into the organization with, and you get an icon or a legend uh, of that stature. It always adds something in terms of an energy to your organization. Donnie Walsh is still part of the organization. Art was the architect of the team that went to the finals, uh, of which Larry coached. But Larry coming back, um, he was able to get in and, and get what he wanted. The bench was a challenge last year. Um, not quite able to produce the way Larry has always liked to see his teams produce. So as you look at changes, um, the health of Danny Granger, you know, getting him back would be a change. He played for a while for us. He's now, as of two days ago, they decided to give him a three-week rest. Lance Stevenson is matured. Um, many didn't know if he'd stay on the team, make the team when he first got there. Larry Bird had confidence in him, and he went from basically a second round, not basically, he was a second round pick, and now he's a starter, and he, he has a role that he has defined for our team, so that's changed. Um, Luis Stoller, off the bench, uh, international player with great savvy, has won in Argentina, part of San Antonio bringing him over. He's made transition through Houston and Phoenix, and now he's part of the bench, so that helps. Um, C.J. Watson, a nice point guard for us, gives us some lot of energy, knocks down threes, long defender, uh, and, and that's changed for us. And then we have Chris Copeland. So we have a bench. I think it's that's better. But I think our starters have gotten better. Roy is better uh, as of what I watched last night. Uh, hopefully everything works out from a you know physical standpoint. He's better. Uh, and you look at our roster, our roster is better. But, you know, as I said, it's changed. It's different. And Paul George has, has grown, and we want to see how he goes to the next level becoming the go-to guy. So we have a lot. That's different, though. A lot of things that are the same. Quinn Buckner with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Quinn, I want you to I want you to see if you agree or disagree with my thought about the personality of the Pacers. It seems to me now, after what I saw at the end of last year and into the playoffs, that this this group uh, has the personality. It's an extension of David West's personality. Is that fair? Well, it's close. David West is is is, is really the, the the cross. I mean, you want to get it to David West, but you guys. Here in New Orleans, I had the pleasure of having David West early in his career, and David is just solid. And getting guys closer to David is what we would have to do with the Pacers in order to be really effective. So to the degree that it, that it wasn't the year before David, the more David is a part of the Pacers, the more uh, David's culture becomes part of the Pacers and the better the Pacers will be. David is, is a guy with a high skill level this year. It's, it's changed in certain terms of his jumping ability, but he never had to jump, so his IQ has always had to be high. And he's forced that on our team to be a, a, a much more efficient team without asking much concern about running and jumping. There are ways to do things more effectively. So as you get more of that kind of input, and he has been much more active, uh, and he's never uh, – he, he never has not, not been active, but he's much more active in talking to guys about things that they can do in order to get better. And that, I think, for Larry Bird and the staff and the Pacers, Herb Simon, I own it has to be the most pleasing thing because Davis' nature is to be a quiet leader, but he has been more vocal, and I think that's really important to your point about it, it getting to be more like David West. Quinn, you're a basketball lifer. You've won at every level. You've seen, you've seen at least our league go through a number of different phases, um, some healthier than others. 
if you had to look at where we are going into this season as as a game, as a, as an association, what kind of a phase is the NBA in, and is it a healthy one? It's a healthy one. I don't think there's any question about it. As David Stern worked his way out in February, and I've known the commissioner, and he and I have been in the business. He's been longer than me, but we've been going at it since I was an officer in the union in the early 80s. And watching Adam Silver take the game. The game is um, by virtue of the dream team going global, and I think that's that's good for the sport. I don't think there's, there's anything bad about that. I think what you see are more players who are so skilled. Uh, and I, it, I read a piece by LeBron James, which was interesting, where people have been accustomed to when Larry and Magic didn't hardly speak to each other. Michael, Isaiah, you go through that era, which was a terrific basketball era, where they didn't speak to each other. What, what is different is these young men have known each other, as, and many of them, as for, since they've been about eight or nine years old. But they still compete at about the same rate, not, at pretty much like Magic and Michael did, and, and those guys. So it's, it's different in that you see a, a relationship that's developed off the court more so. But when they get on the court, they are as competitive. And Anthony Davis and, and Drew Holiday and those guys, they, they've known each other the majority of their lives. So while they, you know, if you look at some competition and appear that competition is always David and Goliath like, it is in pure competition. But off the court, I think it's great. And I think these guys uh, have done a lot of good things for basketball. I think they will continue to do it. They continue to get more skilled at an early age and they come into our game and they change it. They change it profoundly in the way it's played, the way it's viewed. And the things that are important to him, and I think all of that's good. Quinn Buckner, you're a treasure to our game. Uh, I'm privileged to have your insight today. That's, that's that's great stuff, and I'm glad that you feel that way about where we are right now. And uh, I'd, I'd wish you good luck to the Pacers tonight, but you know that probably won't happen. Uh, but I will say this: enjoy another season of watching that that ball bounce around the floor and across the great country of ours. Well, good luck to you with the session of the night as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Fair enough. Thank you very much. Quinn Buckner, everybody, right here on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks, guys. When we come back, we'll get to know Pelicans TV analyst David Wesley on the best of the Black and Blue Report. Hey, New Orleans Saints fans, show your true colors and get in the action with the all-new Black and Gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Play all three seeds. You have to play to win. That's right. Enter your non-winning Black and Gold Saints tickets in our second-chance drawings for a chance to win autographed Saints merchandise or one of four Saints game day prize packages. Next entry deadline is September 3rd. Pick up your Black and Gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans and pick the games you want to watch at the newly renovated New Orleans Arena. With our five-game flex plan presented by Mannings, we have a ticket plan for every fan. Packages start as low as $45 and feature the best seat locations to see all-star opponents, including the world champion Miami Heat. And with the purchase of every plan, you'll receive a free $25 Mannings gift card while supplies last. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP to get your seats today. Follow us on Twitter at BlackBlueReport. Welcome back to the best of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Salerson. You'll see our next guest on your television for 75 Pelicans games this season as your television analyst. David Wesley, who always appears on Wesley Wednesday, stopped by on Tuesday 
for a get-to-know-you edition of the show. Special edition of the Black and Blue Report. Our conversations continue today as we get to know the guys who bring you the games on both uh, television and radio. Still to come, Daniel Salerson and Director of Broadcasting, Lou Schumann, who will talk about where to find all of these broadcasts across uh, not only the Internet but television and radio, too. Uh, we're uh, pleased to have David Wesley, not even on a Wesley Day, join us. He'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk a lot, David, tomorrow about uh, the game itself against the Indiana Pacers and what the Pelicans have in front of them here for the uh, first couple weeks. I don't want to. I don't want to go too far. I don't think players do either. I think. I think that. I think that they always say we take it one in game at a time, but I think it's human nature that you kind of look at them in groups, and some may look at them in groups of three or a week or two weeks or whatever. So. We'll kind of make up our own block tomorrow, but good to see you, sir. It's good to see you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's You've do it. You've been kind of chomping at the bit here I for have a while. Been. I have been. Uh, when, you, when you come off of a season like last year where there is no playoff uh, uh, time to watch the team, and, and then you have an offseason full of excitement with regard to the addition of new pieces and, and the maturation of your key piece in Anthony Davis, boy, it makes, it makes that, that stretch from, let's just say, I don't know, for me it's like mid-August – so right before training camp is almost unbearable. Yeah, and and as soon as the season's over, obviously you're you're tired. You you've had a long season, didn't make the playoffs, and you're, you're kind of bummed, but you're kind of happy about the summer. But like you said, you, you get to that point where it's just, all right, let's go, let's go. You, you got a new name, you got new this, you got a, a new players, and and the team's looking good. You, you expect growth and and all those kind of things, and. You just can't wait to get on the air and start talking about them. Yeah, a lot of people who, who now tune into this podcast but also watch the Pelicans on TV know David Wesley is the charming, smiling, I won't say good-looking, <laughs> Ellie Dutch Shannon, his wife, um, television analyst for the Pelicans. Then there's another segment that know you as a former NBA player, or at least as an active NBA player. There are still many out there in this community that remember you not only as a Hornet but also your playing days in other cities. How – how many years in all now did you play in the NBA? Fourteen. And you were one of those undrafted guys, so you're bringing yes. a unique perspective to the game at that level. Yeah, you know, I remember breaking into the league my first year in Jersey back in 93 where I didn't really feel like I was a part of that team. I felt like they kind of did me a favor almost. And uh, Ramil Robinson, if you remember that name, was on that team. Tate George, they released him so that I could be on that team. And starting guard was Kenny Anderson who led all guards in, in minutes played that year. So I relatively was just kind of a cheerleader and learned and watched and, and, and just worked hard. And as undrafted guys, and I see guys that come in like a Brian Roberts, uh, I love, those are the guys I'm, I'm rooting for. Lance, Lance Thomas. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for those guys because I know how hard they have to work and how they have to change people's minds. They can play this game. And so, uh, you know, when I'm coming in and then finally I'm always looking over somebody's shoulder. I'm, I'm, I'm beating you down. I'm tapping you on the shoulder until I got in front. And then for my career, that's the part that kept me going because I knew there was a me behind me coming to get my position. You're what, early 40s at this point? 42. 42. Right. No. Yes, yeah. 42. 42, yeah, you're yeah, just 42. one step ahead of me. Yes, yes, Which yes, will yes. always be in that category. 43 in about two weeks. Does it ever, you know, now that now you've now you've built yourself a television career, and, and let's be honest, it's, it's, it's based upon the fact that you had a basketball career when you right. match that with your personality. But even now, you know, at your age and having been through it all, does it still sometimes strike you that you're that kid from small town Texas and this is what it's become? Does that ever 
hit you upside the head even now? It, it, it still does because I, I look at I look at those players and sometimes I'm looking at them how big, how fast, how quick they are, and think, was I really just out there a few years ago? And here I am at 43 from Longview, Texas, and I've I've now had a a, a basketball career. I'm starting uh, this broadcasting career, and uh, I'm lucky guy uh, to 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 be a part of the game and then be able to now watch and talk about it and and be a part of another team it's great a year ago you know we were in training camp it was your first as a as a broadcaster you had moved your family back to new orleans uh, where you had played for a, a little bit of your career um you know i don't know if i've if i've even asked you this because you had options you had choices and there's probably two dozen places across the country that you could live and feel comfortable based on people that you know and your experiences. But I don't think I've ever asked you, what what was it about coming back to New Orleans? What made you say, I'm in? I enjoyed New Orleans when I was here. I had, I had uh, the fans are great here. The people receive you well here. Uh, obviously, the food and the culture and everything else is, is, is wonderful, but it, it took a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm talking to my wife. I've been offered this job, and it was almost last minute. And I'm thinking, yeah, 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 this could be this could be a new chapter and this could be fun. And we were in Maine where my wife is from and there's no I mean, in the mountains, no phone signal. It can't get emails. You got to go to a certain place in the mountain and wave your phone just <laughs> trying to get a signal. So communicating uh, with the Hornets at the time about this job was kind of difficult. But we knew that when we came back from Maine, we had to find schools, house, and, and everything in a short amount of time. But, I, you know, I just – I like New Orleans. I like being here and, and enjoyed uh, coming back. I oh, think, one quick story. Yeah. The day we moved – the day we drove from Houston here was the day of the hurricane. We actually emptied the truck into the house – and the hurricane happened that night. That's right. Yep. That was Labor Day weekend. Yep. Yeah. Was it Labor Day weekend? I, I don't know if it was Labor Day weekend. Uh, it was right around that right, time. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's no doubt that former players and coaches, of which you are both, um, have added to viewers' uh, enjoyment of the game, whether it be learning something or engaging with a story or, or just gaining the perspective of having – or getting to listen to somebody talk about what it's like to do what they love watching. For you, though, when you kind of started this journey, this new chapter, as you called it, what did you have to learn, or what it, what what had to happen for you to be able to take the knowledge and experience of playing and coaching and be able to share that with your viewers? Well, for one, sometimes when you coach – making your point and getting people to understand. And, and I coached for two years in the D league uh, with the Texas legends, being able to, to, to relay to somebody on a basketball court, how to do something in a way that you're not using terminology that shoots over their head. You, you gotta, I don't want to say dumb it down, but you have to be, you have to use the right words to, to get that across. I think that helped me a little bit in the broadcasting. There's so much I don't know. There's still so much I still don't know, but being around guys like yourself, Joel Myers, um, the producers, Lou Schumann, filling me full of information, 
And really, all that you've told me going into my first broadcast, none of that helps. It's you, you it helps as you go because you go, oh, I remember when he said that. Oh, I remember when he said that. But going into that first broadcast, everything is out the window and you were just nerves, a ball of nerves. And you're just I don't want to say the wrong thing. And the process of learning, it took the whole year and I'm still learning, but it takes a whole year to kind of get going to what it is you have to say, how quick you have to be sometimes, how concise. Uh, one of the most amazing things I think about watching Joel do what he does is his internal clock. When we're going to break and when we're doing certain things where he has to say, uh, you know, somebody tell him you have 25 seconds to do this. And he can feel that down to the 24 seconds. And, and that's the kind of stuff that I want to learn how to do. And, and that's fun because it's, it's a new chapter in my life. You know, most people who have seen me would quickly figure out that I didn't play the game. Um, no, don't don't ruin this for those who haven't seen it. Okay, 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 okay. The bottom line is this: sometimes I look at, and again, I just talked about the value of having former players involved in the broadcast side. But at the same time, I don't want to offend anybody here. I see a lot of guys who who leave the floor or leave the coaching ranks and plop down in a chair and say, "All right, let's just go," and just I, I don't want to say they wing it, but they do, I guess, and they rely on just that that knowledge base that they have. They don't they don't grow their craft, I guess, is what I'm saying. Right. But you know what's interesting, and and I should share this with everybody. I first met you back when I was a studio host for the Hornets, and you were late in your career. Or you were later in your career. Right. It wasn't done yet, but you were in the you were on the down down slide, if you will. Yeah. And I and I had to learn about you, and and I knew you as broadcaster player. We weren't, you know, we weren't buddies at the time or anything like that. But I was, I was close enough, or I was around enough to see. Here's an undrafted guy, who is up against it on a lot of different nights. Who has to, he has to be that guy that works a little bit harder than the other guy to keep the career going and even to be, you know, still in the league. Certainly. So there was a work ethic, I guess, is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I almost see you doing the same work ethic with regard to broadcasting that you did as a player trying to still prove it if you even after all those years in the league well I, I think anything you do you want to do your best or you would hope you'd want to do your best and for that player that comes in and thinks well I'll just talk about and when you're explain what you're doing as a television analyst is to tell the why and the how and, and and that kind of thing as a player you think well I don't need to study to do that but you do. You you have to do more. You have to figure out backstories and and the things you talk about and the why. It helps to know that that guy spent two hours after practice. It's good to know where that guy came from so that you can talk about. I remember my first year in the league. I come down and I shoot a jump shot, and the analyst said. This they don't want him taking that shot. This guy, he's not he's not a shooter. That's what I did in college. That's what I did for my career is shoot the basketball. And here this guy is, and of course, undrafted rookie, and he didn't do his homework. He he knew very little about me. And that's the kind of thing that I don't want to say about another player or insinuate about a player if I don't do my homework. And and that pushes me to continue to to grow, and of course, it, we had this conversation during the season about players and 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 how some of them approach it and the best way to. So, yeah, my whole thing 
to this point, I owe to the guys around me. This is a team thing and, and talking to guys and, and learning from what you've done over the years and Joel and, and, and everybody around it. It's, it's, it's helped me grow so far. Trash talk is a big part of the game. Absolutely. Um, but, at the, but at the end of the day, players look out for players. So how do you balance now in your new role um, protecting players or I guess being a player's um, on a player's behalf slash you got to be critical of him at the same time? Have you been able to balance that a little bit? I, I have. I feel like I have. I, I know some people may say I'm a little harder on some players, but there is there is an honesty to what we do. And you, know, you can be honest without killing a guy. And that's basically what I think about when I'm when I'm speaking. Honest. The the public sees the play just like I do. There are students out there of the game that know the game like like I do. And when I'm talking about a play and and other players and coaches are watching this, be honest about it. It was a bad play. Now I can say it was a bad play or I can say that guy is absolutely terrible, which is too much. And as a player, I wouldn't want anybody telling me I was absolutely terrible, but I would be I'd be confused if I'm watching a game and I'm, I'm hearing this guy go, oh, well, he, you know, and he's dancing around. It was a bad play. Mm -hmm. And that's how I try to keep it honest but not too critical. All right, when you're away from the broadcast booth and the game, what does David Wesley like to do? Well, if it, I don't do anything that interferes with my golf game. And I'm not saying I'm lightning golfer, but uh, I, I try to stay out of the weight room. I try not to work out too much because it hurts my back and it hurts my knees and it affects my golf game. It hurts <laughs> well, my shoulder. Twenty-seven <laughs> years, man. I, and 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 it hurts. It really hurts. I've never been one that loves to work out. I I venture in there from time to time now, but it's not anything that I do scheduled. But if I could golf just about every other day, I'd be a happy man. And the guy's still built. And he doesn't work out. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Um, I'll, I, I will say this as we as we let people kind of peek behind the curtain today. Uh, David's a good sport. See, I like to, when we're on the road, I, I don't like to sit in my hotel room a, a whole lot. I like to go out, enjoy the restaurants of the city and all that. And so David was a good sport. Last year, you know, it was his first run with us, and and uh, it was John's too. And and uh, and they let, they let Joel and I uh, drag them around to our favorite places around the league. And it's interesting because, um, again, liking to go to, out to eat and all that and um i don't like to go to chains or anything. i want to see the local joints around town which means that a lot of times we have to walk a little bit and you know of course we could probably take a cab or whatever but, but why not walk and so david would always ask me okay well how far is it and i'd always say oh i don't know it's like a mile and he, and he then eventually during the season he, he came up with a new name for it. he said right, is that a mile or is that a Kelly mile? And it's always and it a got, Kelly mile. Right. And then it got even shortened to that. Or is it, how many Kellys are we walking to get to dinner tonight? I, you know what? I've never heard anybody who has no sense of distance worse okay. than this guy right here. Hey, it's a block. Okay. What kind of block are we talking about? I mean, this is, is this a country block where, you know, the next house is a mile down the street? And, and, and we would start walking thinking we're going two blocks. Then we go three blocks. Now we're into the Kelly Mile. Now we're turning a corner. Oh, it's right up here. And right up here is 18 buildings down. At the end of the day, you had a good meal, didn't you? Had a good meal. Took a cab back. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we'll see you tomorrow. All right? all right. See you tomorrow. All right. Pelicans and Pacers tomorrow night. David on your television on Fox Sports New Orleans. We're certainly looking forward to that. 
You can watch David and his partner Joel Myers tonight as the Pelicans host the Bobcats on Fox Sports New Orleans starting at 7 p.m. When we come back, we turn our attention to the Saints and hear from running back Pierre Thomas. We'll be right back. Hey there, what you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm going to hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. Welcome back to the best of the Black and Blue Report. The Saints travel to New Jersey this weekend to take on the Jets tomorrow. Last week, the Saints took down another New York team, defeating the Bills 35-17. After the game, Sean Kelly spoke with Pierre Thomas about the win. Pierre Thomas joins us here on NewOrleansSaints.com. What, 14 carries, three catches? You're a busy man today. Uh, yeah. You know, my number was called a lot this game, you know, and I, and I tried to do the best job I can. Tell me about how the game progressed because it seemed like, it, at first it seemed like, again, this is just me speculating, a little slow getting it going and then, boy, it, then it really got going. Uh, definitely, you know, it was slow for us coming out in the first half. You know, we were just trying to, you know, to find our groove, find our tempo. You know, they, you got to give them, you know, uh, appreciation for doing a good, great job on defense, you know, slowing us down, stopping us. But, you know, we had to find the loopholes in their defense. And it took a while, you know, it took to the second the second half to uh, really to get ourselves going. And, you know, that's something where we got to, you know, come out right from the top and just hit them in the mouth early. And we got to really focus on that. Coach said it and we know it. So we got to keep working on that and working on that. So we got to clean some things up. And, you know, we want to be that team that just, you know, starts off fast and, you know, get on teams very early, very quick in the first half and keep finishing out to the second. When, when you said it, it started to get going, Pierre, if you had to look back, what were some of the signs that indicated that you guys were about to crack through there? I mean, in the beginning, you know, we, we wasn't really, you know, getting to our blocks, you know, reading the right reads, you know, making the right runs. You know, we, we did a good job of running a little bit, but, you know, running the right routes. I mean, we, we just struggled, and, but... At the while, we start to see, you know, we start reading our defense and seeing what they're playing with, you know, different personnel, you know, what guys we got on the field and what they're bringing in once we got certain guys on the field. And we chat, we seen what, what plays works best for us against their defense, and that's what we did. Yeah, through those first six games, it really seemed like you could start to pinpoint what certain teams were really going to focus in on taking away from you. What did Buffalo try and take away in this particular game? Well, I know they tried to take away the, the passes a lot. You know, they really tried to... You know, stay deep, but we hit them with a lot of short passes. You know, a couple of 10 yards, you know, 15 yard routes, and uh, you know, the run game was was exceptional, exceptional, exceptionable. I can't get yeah. the word out, but uh, I mean, it, it helped it helped the uh, passing game get going. So, I mean, just 
just for that to, to happen, it, it, it was more balanced. You know, it, it was a good a good feel in the second half. So we had like a lot of movement going. So we was on a good good tempo. You know, I was kind of teasing you at the start. You know, kind of kidding you about the 14 carries and, and the and the three catches. But when you look back, you know, several guys run the ball today, and I counted over 10 guys getting at least one reception today. What does that do for an offense when so many guys get touches like that? I mean, it, it spreads it out. I mean, it shows that we got so many weapons on our offense. You know, they don't know who to guard, which guy to double team if they do. You know, you if you try to double team Jimmy, you got other guys out there. You try to double team Coast, and you got you got so many weapons on our offense, and you can't really double team one of our guys on our team because if you do, you're leaving another weapon open, and he's going to make that play. All right, six and one. At what point, if it hasn't happened already, at what point does this group start to say something special may be going on here? I mean, we 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 see that in, a, in the beginning. We knew that, you know, coming into the season, we got something special on our hands. We just got to believe it and just stay focused. You know, we can't, you know, get ahead of ourselves and say, hey, you know, we got this. No, you know, you, you can't take any team on this in this league for granted. So you got to keep fighting and stay focused on, you know, on what team is in front of you at that point. Yeah, thanks. Nice job, Greg. Thanks, guys. When we come back, I'll wrap things up and get you ready for another week of the Black and Blue Report. Are you ready for healthcare reform? At Blue Cross, we're ready to help. Learn all you can about healthcare reform at bcbsla.com reform. Here you'll find information on tax credits, health insurance options, answers to frequently asked questions, and a handy checklist to help you prepare. Visit us today at bcbsla.com reform and get ready. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association and is incorporated as Louisiana Health Service and Indemnity Company. Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans and pick the games you want to watch at the newly renovated New Orleans Arena. With our five-game flex plan presented by Mannings, we have a ticket plan for every fan. Packages start as low as $45 and feature the best seat locations to see all-star opponents, including the world champion Miami Heat. And with the purchase of every plan, you'll receive a free $25 Mannings gift card while supplies last. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP to get your seats today. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com, your first stop when following your teams. Besides the websites, you can listen to each show on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report, or you can listen on the New Orleans Saints app and soon the Pelicans app. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Black Blue Report, or you can follow Sean Kelly at Sean Kelly Live, or myself at D. Salerson. Next week on the show, we'll recap the Saints-Jets game and get you ready for their Sunday night showdown against the Dallas Cowboys. We'll also get you ready for three Pelicans games when they host the Phoenix Suns on Tuesday, travel to Memphis to take on the Grizzlies Wednesday night, and a huge matchup with the Lakers next Friday night at New Orleans Arena. Well, that'll do it for today's show. For Sean Kelly, I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a fantastic weekend. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.